Good morning. I'm still on vacay, so yeah, yeah, still on vacay, so it feels good. How are you? How are you? Um, you know, Thursday morning, so great, <laughs> and also it's Thursday morning, right? Yeah. Right. Hi, friends. How we doing today? <laughs> Holla at us, man. As a reminder, we have known Nebraska for the month of September. Mm. Ambush, you're doing, you're, keep going. You're doing great. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. I don't know if I'm doing great, but I will keep going. Yeah, no. It, Larry June, good job. Uh, you're doing a good job. Okay. All yeah. right. I'm, okay. Those kind of ad libs are, are also mantras, you know, just like, keep going, Am. So I need to, I need to get some Larry June in our, in our I mean, list. obviously my choice, but you know. I'm a person that grew up on the West Coast, so, mm. you know, mm. Northern uh, California rap is uh, one of my faves. Is where it's at? It's where it's at. Kind of exactly where it's at. We got a couple of things we're chatting about today. Hey, yeah, and, you yeah. know, there's nothing like Ambush. Mm-hmm. Nothing like having, shout out to Brian. Yeah, man. Uh, nothing like a story being written and ready to go and then 5 a.m eastern (laughs) standard time there's an update to your story and we don't even know the full update yet no so we're gonna work on that you know gotta talk about this uh railroad situation absolutely shout out to uh solidarity with all workers that are organizing and trying to have better working conditions Better, better quality of life conditions. You know what's really crazy about the story? Um, it's not even like they're asking for changes to the four hundred one k program. <laughs> it's just, hey, can we have a schedule? It'd be cool if I could actually um, Plan not be well, not be penalized if I am in fact sick because the days that I get must be scheduled mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah emergencies are emergencies and being on call 24 7 really um that's yeah okay that's just yeah, yeah. okay so we yeah. won't we won't do the whole thing but we will we'll, we'll let you know what we're going to talk about yeah. Yeah. uh local stories former organ dentist pleads guilty to stealing over 11 million dollars in covid relief funds mm. so fun Mm-mm. Rent hikes capped at 14.6% for most Oregonians next year. The highest uh, highest since limits were passed. Ridiculous. And uh, national story, the Pennsylvania House voted to hold Philly DA Larry Krasner in contempt for, de- for defying a subpoena. And U.S. railroad workers prepare for a strike as rail companies see record profits mm. so again we mentioned there's been an update to that story but uh, you know the a deal issues, has been reached deal's been reached and we will see what that deal is about yes uh and at 8 45 we'll have alex Zelensky, news editor for the portland mercury joining us to discuss 
how Portland's street response is still banned from responding to suicide calls or entering buildings. Not cool, man. Gonna need to... Yeah. Yeah. Gonna need to talk about how we're actually pretending Mm. to uh, try the alternatives. Yeah. Not cool. No. Really excited to talk to Alex about that. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna hop into our first music break and we will see you on the other side. All right, we got some text ambush. We do. Do you see this? Uh, no. Oh, okay, we got a couple in here. Yeah. So, first one, zero to one sick day and not being penalized for having doctor's appointments. Whew. Also, apparently, they only recently, no date cited in the Democracy Now! interview, years, question mark, had, had lost the right to schedule time off and not be on call 24-7. Not clear how much of that is changing with the agreement. I know that we're not supposed to talk about this. Maybe I should have saved reading that text until we got to that story, but seriously. Mm. Um, 24-7. We, we jokingly are like, oh, I've been working 24-7. Right. Being on call for 24-7 means you, you, you don't have a day off. No. So, uh, no. we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Malcolm, what's good? Malcolm says, good morning, y'all. So good to hear your voices after a rough week. This song is a bop. That song Malcolm is a knowing. bop. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about your week. Man. It's been a rough week, rough week all around. Yeah. Uh, love and hugs. All the positive vibes. True, 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 true. Going out. Rudo. <laughs> Sorry I'm late, fam. I was organizing my records for my new x-ray show coming next month. <laughs> Yo, yeah. it's happening. It's happening. This is so dope. <laughs> I'm excited. Yes. Where's Where's the um, Where's the announcement? I want to see the artwork. You're right. Right. Rudo, give us the inside track. Yeah. Shoot us. Definitely let us know the um, day and time of your show because it's a, another X-ray show. We can plug it live. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, and I want the inside track. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah. get our email addresses yeah. or something from Ambush. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. There's also, I saw, um, I think there's a zine convention that Rudo's going to be at this weekend. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Very cool. I would love to be there. We're kind of booked. Booked and busy. Yeah. We're booked and busy this weekend. <sighs> All weekend. <laughs> All weekend. And so. Then we and then we're doing the, a good thing. You guys should, you know. Now that you're joining this, anyone that is joining this live space, this live content creator, live host space, understand it is an emotional exercise and you do need to take some time afterwards. Debrief. Debrief. Energize. It's actual work. It's going to feel like, you know, for some for a while, I've, I don't remember, I don't know how long I was, you know, in my career as a DJ and, and hosting all those other things and started to realize, wait, I am physically tired after this. And I'm thinking I'm tired from maybe moving and equip, moving equipment and things of that nature. Right. No, it's a performance. All aspects of it are performance. Yeah. So, you know, with us, uh, with our hosting gig that we have this weekend, we're hosting Saturday and Sunday. So boom, like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry it took this long in my life. Apologies to my body. Taking off on Monday. <laughs> Taking off on Monday to recharge from hosting an event two days straight. So, yeah. 
you know, put that in the schedule. Yeah. You have to actually schedule it too. Uh, at least we do because yeah. Yeah. otherwise it's just like, oh, that other project that I've been working on needs attention now. <laughs> right. Now that I've gotten through that really hard weekend, I will uh, just work all day today. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 and it's funny because Morgan watches me do this a lot. But like, well, so, you know, I took the day off, so I'm going to. What? You're, you, took you took the took... day off and then you filled it with 17 things that you wanted to do right. at home for three months. And you think you're going to cram that into one day. Man, using uh, ambush, using out of the office wrong. Exactly. Yeah. We're working on it, though. Ladies and gents, you got to help your, your puzzle piece, your partner. <laughs> recognize yes. those moments and he he does the same for me yeah and reminds me all the time uh nope you've been working for 17 hours time to go to bed cut it out cut it out man i am oh, okay he has an update fcc certification oh and then we'll that. see what's up then we'll see what's up time slot nice that certification do not be um intimidated intimidated by it it's really really informative it's fun it is really the way fun. they put it together Shout out to the X-Ray squad, yo. Shout out to the X-Ray team. The team. Man. They make it, they they make a lot of things that, I, and I know it's, I'm saying this because I know it is incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a small staff, and it's really hard to wrangle yeah. so many people, so many different projects. Herding cats. Herding cats. <laughs> and it, this kind of information is, like, dense, and you, you know, like, you've yeah. got, yeah. there's a lot of it. Yeah. And... They make it a whole lot easier to digest and deal with. So, a shout out to the fam. A really good example of the magic that they create is when it's time to fundraise. Like it's very, it's very easy as a host that they prepare you beyond levels of preparedness, and you have so many different options for audibles and everything. Like you come in and you are ready to discuss what the latest and greatest things are that the station has accomplished and how people can get involved and support. Man. Even when you've missed the development meetings that you were supposed to attend so that you would be more prepared for the fun drive, Morgan and Ambush. Um, but shout out to Nina for always having a digital, a physical, Man. like we have yeah. all the, all the tools. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. No, I mean, you know, a way to call it out. It's, it's who we are. It is. Got to be honest about it. Speaking of uh, who I'm is. Yeah. Let's start with this first story Uh, from my hometown. Philadelphia. So just just in case there's any uh, confusion around that. I am from Chester, Pennsylvania. This is a suburb of Philadelphia. But the way it works when you're, you know, from the area. Yeah. Once you're out of the state, you just tell people from Philly because a lot of people don't know where Chester is. They don't know where, you know, a lot of places are. Right. The greater Philadelphia area. Indeed. And either way, the Pennsylvania House voted to hold Philly DA Larry Krasner in contempt for defying a subpoena. Um, when we first heard this story, Morgan perked up. She was like, Larry Krasner, isn't that your guy? Like, <laughs> this, is, this is the people's DA, right? Indeed. Uh, the Pennsylvania State Legislature is seeking to impeach Larry Krasner, the DA of Philadelphia. Part of that effort has involved a vote by the PA State House representatives to approve a resolution holding the city's DA in contempt of court. State Representative John Lawrence, the chair of the select committee investigating Krasner, said that the DA treated the subpoena like a, quote, worthless piece of paper. 
Krasner is under local and national scrutiny as his reform policies have been criticized as contributing to his city's high gun violence crisis. State Republicans are leading the crusade for his impeachment, while some state Democrats are following suit. They say they voted to hold Krasner in contempt solely because he did not respond appropriately to the subpoena. In July of this year, the Republican-controlled House formed the Select Committee on Restoring Law and Order, which issued the subpoena seeking documents to investigate Krasner's office. Krasner responded to the subpoena by calling the committee, quote, illegal refusing to provide the documents they requested. Critics of the vote are calling it a rush job, meant to take down a fierce political rival of the conservative old guard. Some House Democrats tried but failed to postpone the vote. Some, like State Rep. Some, like state rep Brzezowski, put, put it more plainly, quote, the, more, the whole impeachment thing with Larry has never actually been about the safety of Philadelphians or mm. whether or not he's doing his job. It's about using him as a political pawn because we're in an election year. Mm. It's unknown how the contempt finding will impact the impeachment process. To succeed on impeaching Krasner, the House would have to approve impeachment by a majority vote. Voted by a trial, followed by a trial, excuse me, followed by another vote, which would need a two-thirds majority for the conviction. Hey, playing in people's faces. It sounds a lot like... uh how some folks were coming at Mike Schmidt in uh, yep. in the old uh, Multnomah County yep. area. That's what they don't want. Progressive DAs progressing towards more crime. They don't like it. Well, you know, it's interesting how how this all works, right? And we'll talk more about it with Alex. But when you have a DA who is understanding of uh, the weaknesses we'll say of the criminal justice system and how it has uh, become a weapon for I, I mean and to be clear it has always been a weapon right. but i think that a lot of people did not understand how much the reason why all those things and when you start to understand that and you and you realize that if you make everything a crime everything everyone's a criminal right you know uh how many people can you put in jail for things that they shouldn't be in jail for so the problem that or the issue is that once we finally get uh the public to understand okay certain things there should not be jail or prison time for right Right. and so these i'm not i'm not even going to i won't charge that which is a responsible thing for the district attorney to do uh but people think it's lawlessness, right? Okay, so now now that you guys have decriminalized drugs and we're not talking large amounts, like it's, you know, personal use, right? right. Now that you've decriminalized that, it's rampant. It's everywhere. You know, and that just negates so it just forgets so many things that go along with that. Mm-hmm. And if we're never going to address the failures of the government during a global pandemic, if we're not going to add that into the story on exploding crime right. or exploding drug use, then we're not being serious about it. You huh. cannot talk about uh, any of this stuff and what the DA or the city council is or isn't doing about those particular things when we refuse to fund, we refuse to create programs that will change the lives of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Nobody cares until it, not nobody, but many people don't care until it affects their life. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, drug users are no longer the scum of the earth to them. They are their nephew who just needs help. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think another interesting um, point to note is that when you try to relate progressive uh, movement and reform, especially at that level, and people are saying, you know, we're too lax on criminals, and that's why we have all these murders. <laughs> I feel like you know where I'm going here, MJ. Uh, murder is illegal, and those who wish to do that aren't waiting to see what the penalty- penalties will be. No. And whether the DA is progressive before they go. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You, you, this, Philadelphia has always had relatively high, you know, uh, a murder rate, unfortunately. And um, gun violence, and gun right? Violence. There's a lot of gun yes. violence in a lot of big cities that yeah. are very uh, dense with lots of people and lots of poverty. Yeah. So which we have is to, a policy choice. Yeah. So we have to, like, constantly tie the true factors for um, rises in crime and, and just tie it to the root causes and just continuously just have that conversation. Like, it's a foregone conclusion when people want to bring up other issues like well you know the sky's orange the sky's never been orange it's actually blue okay and it's that that's it all right that's it we're not doing this over and over again what we're getting on this rising gun violence no that's not that's not what's happening we're talking about um houses this is increasing people are in stressful situations uh resources are being pulled and yanked from underneath us Desperate times call for desperate measures. That's it. That's it. Like, I, I would love for not just our listeners because they are well informed, uh, but I would love for the greater majority to just be like, hey, 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 listen, listen, you guys have been kicking this can down the road for quite some time. That ain't it. That's not how we got here. Uh, yeah. This it's, it's fun. It's fun to, uh, uh, you know, have that circuitous conversation and you just keep going in a circle uh, and going in a circle and guess what? Nothing happens. Yeah. Nothing changes. We don't fix anything. Which but if you don't, want. yeah, if you don't want to fix it, you don't want to fix it. Right. You know? Right. Very true. Were you about to say something? I was about to read the text that we got Whoa. that says, according to Tom Hartman, red states and red counties have higher murder rates than blue counties and states. Lower populations kind of obscure that. I'll have to look. I mean, I I trust and believe in the Tom. Wow. Uh, it very much is like. It's, <laughs> wow. It's giving welfare queen. It so is. as we know, all of the all of the, that whole entire uh, campaign to paint people that get state or government assistance as lazy. Drug users, single mothers. uh who, you know, I guess don't work. I, <laughs> I don't. Uh, to paint them as people that do not want to work and won't work and be, they won't work because they won't, because they get money from the government. And these are single mothers of color. Well, obviously. And they're buying lobster and steak with their food stamps, um, just living high on the hog, as they say. Oh, yeah. And we know that the biggest recipient of government assistance and specifically food stamps are white folks. Those were never those those folks were never painted as welfare recipients, let alone queens and kings. <laughs> right, right. 
And it's the, it, the, so not shocking, yeah. not shocking, not surprising. Uh, there is a very concerted effort to uh, paint certain uh, situations as urban only. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that it, and we know urban is not code for city. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and for anyone that might be like, well, you're just saying that it was predominantly white people. Because you're black. Because <laughs> I'm sure there are opposition listeners out there. No, we're just talking about, um, I don't know if you know this, demographics. That's it. <laughs> we're just talking about demographics here. And the demographics that are not uh, intentionally skewed. Yeah. You know, there are statistics being stated on a, you know, AM talk radio station right now that are not true, that have been inflated, all to make, you know, the gun crime anywhere Mm -hmm. or violence anywhere look exponentially worse. Delivered without context. Delivered without context and puts people in a position where if we're we're really not talking about why these things are what they are, um, there are folks that want in their mind, they're like, I want this to be different and Mm -hmm. I want it to be better. Mm Mm-hmm. But you can't, you can't expect them to understand it if they don't have any historical context. Right. They don't think they need the historical context. So their uh, solutions in their mind are really, really moderate. Yep. It's this like, well, if only we were nice to each other. Well, can't we just forget the past and move forward? And it's like, except for all of the policies are, are today are informed from the past. Right. And and to to not discuss that, to completely forget it. It is very much like, I don't see color. Yeah. Yeah. It's an unfortunate dismissive thing that a lot of people think in their minds, that's a good thing. Like, I'm being tolerant. Yeah. Just in that moment when you were talking about, you know, our past, I was like, are you talking about critical race theory? I feel like everything, <laughs> any historical accuracy can be lumped under CRT. Well, yeah. And we know what CRT is now code for. Black. Yeah, I don't, don't want to hear about that, that black history. Speaking of. We gave you guys a month for that <laughs> foolishness. <laughs> Speaking of, Ruto, wait. You guys are b b b black <laughs> I know. Frightening, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so ambush. I'm going to read the rail railroad. Yep. Story. Yep. And uh, then we're going to stumble through what the uh, updates are. What the updates are, because we don't know all the way. Dates are up. They brand new. Yeah. They happened while we were sleeping. Uh, So U.S. rail workers were preparing to strike as rail companies see record profits. Uh, Is that the inflation they keep talking about? No, couldn't be. Is the record profits the record inflation? Okay. No way. Uh, Rail worker unions have been battling over contracts with employers for nearly three years and have not yet gotten what they've been asking for. The Biden administration proposed a cooling off period, which ends Friday. After this, if no deal is reached, then workers are prepared to strike. This is the first major railroad strike since 1992. The U.S. is already plagued with supply chain issues and rail moves 
roughly 40% of the U.S.'s trade. Wild. A strike could cost the U.S. economy roughly $2 billion daily. And I'm just, let, let's just let that sit. Mm. Two billy. Daily. Every day. And we ain't got no money. Man. Uh, rail workers say their jobs have been in crisis since 2018. Between November 2018 and December 2020, 40,000 jobs were eliminated from the railroad industry. The industry now has fewer than 150,000 jobs, down from over 1 million in the 50s. Of course, the largest railroad corporations, BNSF and Union Pacific, have profited tremendously from these developments, gaining record profits in 2021. Union members cite layoffs, lack of PTO, strict attendance policies, and hyper-vigilant scheduling systems as issues that make working in the railroad industry harder than it has been for the last 20 years. Many rail workers don't have any PTO currently, leading to poor work-life balance, increased stress, and illness. While 10 of 12 unions representing rail workers have reached agreements for members to vote on, two are still negotiating agreements. Additionally, 5,000 members of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers uh, voted to reject the tentative agreement on Wednesday, but would delay any strike until the 29th of September. Michael Paul Lindsay, a locomotive engineer of 17 years, put it simply, quote, they can try to force us out of a strike, but they can't force us to not quit. And that could result in an even bigger effect on the economy. Talk Say that. To exactly. <clears throat> I mean, they're not asking for anything so ridiculous. Just the whole idea of being on call 24-7. I remember in my young retail days mm -hmm. working at Toys R Us, which was very beneficial around Christmas time. Uh, <laughs> the particular store manager we had wouldn't post a schedule until Monday. Work week started Monday. <laughs> you have told me this story, and yeah. I I remember the first time you were telling me, like, yeah, no, we wouldn't get our schedule until the day of. And I was like, that has to be illegal. Right. Oh, certainly is. The schedule went right up next to the OSHA poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, this is well, a very tense, anxiety-filled, hostile work environment when I am home because I think I may or may not be working, and then I get a call. Why aren't why you aren't in? You here? But it's a posted. physical schedule that's posted yeah. in the store. Exactly. Which is how will any of the employees know to show up? So do we all show up? Every Monday at open, and then we go home if we're not on the if we didn't get picked. So <laughs> I, I'm a little older, uh, graduated high school in '94. There were not camera phones at the time of this. <laughs> okay, I don't even know what the cell phone activity was around this time. I think no cell phones were out, cell phones were out, they were um, out, but it wasn't like uh, I mean, '94. Oh, no, no. So this, I'm sorry, I graduated '94, but by the time I had this job, this was around '99. And I was trying to think, when did I have my first cell phone? My first cell phone, I was still um, living at my parents' house, and I had to hide it because I shouldn't have had one. This is By the time I worked at Toys R Us, it might have been around 99, 2000, and it definitely was 2000, I remember now. Um, and I was living on my own. So I definitely had a cell phone. So the cell phones were a little bit more accessible to people in my age bracket. They weren't super expensive at the time. And weren't terrible plans that were like $150 a month. 
No, nah, it used to be like if you went from a pager, which was like, I don't know. I don't remember. $18. I was going to say the max is 18 Something crazy. I don't know like, why that number hit both of me at the same time. I was like, 18 I feel like it was there was a sweet spot between 15 and 20 Like, I didn't pay yeah. more than 20 but it was more than 15 Who knows? But, like, if you went from that, and then your cell phone bill was, like, 40 bucks, And it was 40 bucks because we had, you know, limited uh, daytime. So it was, like, nights and weekends were your time to chat. And if you... Oh, my goodness. If you messed that up, or if you... Or once text messaging was, like, major, it was, like, you only had a certain amount yeah, of text. Yeah, absolutely. And if you were going <laughs> over that, then, like, the charges were astronomical. Right. But... If you kept it within your plan, it was very uh, a reasonable amount of money, <laughs> 40 bucks a month, something like that. Yeah. So all that to say, what we would do is see, like, if there was someone that knew that we're working or we would try to call the store early on Monday and right. ask someone to look at the schedule for us. Well, but so again, I say I have to, it is, it's on me to make sure I'm calling or being there once the store opens, because right. if I'm on the schedule to open, then what it was, happened? It was ridiculous. I like, can't. You got people that work the overnight stock shift on Sunday, and now they're on their way out the door, and now the phone is ringing in the break room for people. Now they're like at the, they're they're at dispatch. <laughs> they gotta. All right, uh, let's see where you are on the schedule. Uh, yeah, we need you in around one o'clock. Uh, like it was just. So I couldn't imagine, and this we're talking about railway work. These they are in control of very large pieces of steel <laughs> that travel very fast across the entire United States. Like that system is intricate, and if not performed well, very dangerous. And while I'm not aware of the statistics, I don't remember. It seems like. These are people that have been doing some really good work for a very long time, um, especially for our uh, agricultural system to be dependent upon 40%. 40%. That's huge. Of our trades. Of our trades. Just, uh, all, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, to me, that sounds like a system that is very uh, dependent. You're very, you know. Agriculture, chemicals, construction, shipping, energy, automotive. I mean, on and on. I mean, those are giant industries. How, you know, like yeah. this isn't uh, just a drop in the bucket. And how old? I mean, are we tired of this? How old is the story of people uh, being not properly valued for their skilled skilled work? Like, no matter what the sector is, we always for, for me the first thing that pops in my head is always like teachers. Teachers never get paid what they deserve to get paid. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know. But essential, right? And we yeah. will we will basically leave raising our children to teachers and then be like, I mean, pay them more than thirty grand. Why? If they if they want to be teachers, they can buy their own supplies. You know, you know what you signed up for. No, I don't. No, I don't, because I honestly believed uh that you guys cared about the education system and children learning. Definitely no, no. Definitely no. No. And also, do you know your kid? You want to teach your kid? <laughs> <laughs> do you? Do you want to stand in front of a room full of children with all different types of personalities and energies 
and you don't know where that's going to be every single morning. Like the the what you do know is it's going to be chaos. Yeah, the the what I think a lot of people don't understand, or maybe you know, let me not say that, but I don't think we we, we pay enough attention to what it means for these different environments and how that really colors our experience. I'm sure anyone who's had a day job or a job of any you know. Uh, time of the day. <laughs> Anyone's had a job that they were looking forward to. Like you interviewed for this and you were like, you know, this, this might be the job for me after combing through all the different ads and following all the applications and all, all the job hunting you were doing. You got dressed to go to this job interview. You get the job and you have all these positive feelings. You're employed. You're employed within an industry you're looking forward to working in. And then what happens? The people you work with either make that experience ramp up or ramp down. Mm-hmm. And and it's really about the environment. So it, I, for me, I don't think enough emphasis is given to what teachers do in providing a space for kids to come in and be ready to learn. Like the transfer of energy and emotions, whatever yeah. their morning is that they've woke up into, the car drive over, the bus drive over, the walk, the walk, uh, in the hallways, and then they come into a classroom, and then that just starts to fade away. And it's hey, it doesn't just start to fade away. Yeah, whatever the teacher has created in that classroom, yes, can make that happen. And it's like hey, now we're ready to learn. So for every parent who has uh, just allowed their their kid to throw the tantrum in you know the grocery store and just been like you know what that's it you you just do it and you keep walking. You don't really get to uh, no. speak about the skill set that it takes. Yeah. Because if you are not willing to exert your energy on your own child, imagine you being there with 37 of other people's children. Of other people's children. That you can't call their parents and say, hey, come pick them up. Little Deborah is over here. Wilding. Throwing Legos. <laughs> And David's Daviding again. So you already know what your son does. That's happening. You know what's always funny to me is when uh, parents are like, well, I never. <laughs> I just bet you haven't. Uh, but David would never. I just can't believe this is egregious. <laughs> My mom was the mom who always believed no matter what was being said about me. She was like, I, I did better than that. And I cannot believe that she's out here make, embarrassing me. It wasn't even like, you know, let me let me talk to her and find out like is this even true right. or what are the what are the roots here? What what uh, could have what could have caused your chaos this morning, Morgan? Never. It was like I I am a better parent than that and you are embarrassing the mess out of me. You're embarrassing. How dare you? Well, it's embarrassing to know that an industry that has been around for so long has been treating its workers this with, poorly. This poorly. Obviously, these are policies from the inception of the industry. Oh, easily. <laughs> like, and that's uh, uh, what are you talking about? Historical context? That's, what do you mean? What do you mean? No, seriously. It is. It is amazing how you know. You absolutely had to have this. This is not right. An industry that is not. Uh, it's essential. It's it's essential. Part of our infrastructure. Exactly. Yeah. Which is crumbling. Uh, <laughs> it's part of our in- infrastructure, but it is only as important as someone else's profits. And that is like, man, 
that that is so hard for me to wrap my head around that you want the accolades you want the importance and the power that comes with being the head of the railroad industry but you only want to talk about i mean you don't want those folks compensated you don't want those folks to be able to breathe Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean imagine just the mental health aspect of never knowing when you're supposed to be at work as as someone you know i i just can't yeah i just can't in the way of as think about what your days off look like and if you're a person who has split days off like i used to have split days off and i convinced myself that i liked that because that <laughs> meant you know on wednesday i could do all my my house chores and my uh you know grocery shopping and yeah. all of those things and you know nobody's really out here <laughs> what was the split day off schedule was it you started later no i ha- i didn't have early? two days off in a row so it was like i had a day off on wednesday and i had a day off on saturday oh so it was, okay yeah it's like the weekend off gotcha right like i didn't have two days in a row so okay. and somehow i i legitimately convinced myself that that worked for me because I got to do the things I would have done Saturday on a weekday, and that meant less people would be out, and so it wouldn't be as rough. The thing is, you end up just working both of your days off. Period. <laughs> like you just. <laughs> Period. So. And then you feel crappy when you don't have a weekend off like everyone else. I mean, so many people don't have weekends and do still have two days in a row. When I had that schedule, not a weekend, but two days in a row, it was so far and few between to get those two days together. When I got it, it felt like a vacation. And it was wow. like, oh, I can do something now. No, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think we need a music break. We do need a music break. I was going to make another point, and now oh, I can't remember it. But that's more of a reason why we need a music break. So <laughs> we will catch you guys on the other side. <laughs> So right before the break, we were talking about the uh, the railway situation. Yes. Um, and I forgot what my observation was, and I remember. I, you know, with your distance from certain industries and careers, you have an idea of what the job entails, right? Mm. Especially if you learn about trains when you're a kid. Um, I saw oh, this movie came out God knows how long ago. But there was a movie with Denzel, and there was a runaway train. It was in uh, Pennsylvania or New Jersey or something. And I was like, okay, this is going to be a short film. And it just cut the train off. It's a big deal. Cut the train off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was train off. And then you, you as, as everything is happening, they're introducing you to the current technology of how trains are run. Right. And you're like, whoa, wait, wait, what? What's Hello? the danger? If it's at a certain speed and hits a corner, how many, like, what's that derailment look like? based on population and there's so many different aspects of this job that we're so far removed to have a lack of understanding around it it's just like what's the big deal they're just honking their horn and just right do they even drive coal, it? right they're just putting some coal in there and uh <laughs> <laughs> we really got to respect people's industries and that and just and just like you know the hubris of pretending like you know what someone else's job is like right you know like well, if if they can do it, I can do it. Is that true? Do you think you're bad for at your real? own job? You want to do somebody else's? Oh man, 
So let me just add because we, there there is the update of them reaching a deal. Uh, right. Shout out to Joe Byron. Uh, apparently he he got on the horn and he made things happen like Obama. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just gonna read this directly from uh, I, I don't even know where the oh, live updates from CNN, which is uh, questionable. Fact check by uh, <laughs> Members will get one additional paid day off as well as voluntary assigned days off. Quote, most importantly, for the first time ever, the agreement provides our members with the ability to take time away from work to attend to routine and preventative medical care, as well as exemptions from attendance policies for hospitalizations and surgical procedures. The agreement also gives union members an immediate 14% raise with back pay dating to 2020 and raises totaling 24% during the five-year life of the contract, which runs from 2020 through 2024 which is interesting. It also gives them cash bonuses of $1,000 a year for five-year life of the contract, and there will be no changes to their health care. Uh, here, I am happy for every single worker that gets more money. And a 14% um, raise and back pay for two years, fantastic. But this feels a lot like throwing money at the problem when they weren't saying, you need to give us more money. They were saying, we need more acceptable work, work. conditions in order to live a life outside of work. Right. And they were like, have more money. When do I get to spend it? <laughs> they were like, huh. Yeah, they like, fine, some money across fine. The table. And that's the thing. You got record profits and that's what mattered to you. Right. And so you're like, well, what else could you want? Here, fine, I'll give you a thousand dollar, a thousand dollar bonus. I'll give you some of my money. Gosh. Number one, come on. But also, that's not what I'm looking for right no, now. Did not ask you. When do I spend that extra money that I now have? And no such thing as extra money when we are <laughs> working class. But Facts. with that, with that newfound, uh, you know, windfall of my thousand dollar cash bonus for the year. When do I, where do I spend it? When do I spend it? When do I get to enjoy that? What's, because I am on call 24 seven. Right. And if I get sick, <laughs> then I can easily be let go. Right. Well, that's one of the updates. I, was, I found that interesting. Like they won't be penalized for that. And also you can take time off for doctor's appointments. Well, imagine not being able to. And that's wild. Something that we I'm trying to instill in our kids right now is that you do not have to you don't have to do the things that have just been like this is how it goes. Yeah. It, if it doesn't make sense in the in the grand scheme of things to a human's life. Right. Then we do not need to be pledging allegiance to a company that is paying attention to their profits and not the people that create them. Mm. So, in that if they don't let you have a sick day or they are going to penalize you for going to the doctor, you have to reevaluate. Yeah. I know that it is not at all that simple when we're talking about people that have been working in an industry for, you know, yeah, uh, decades and this is your career. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to instill that in kids. But as the as the story said, they cannot they cannot make us not quit. Yeah. And at some point, as workers, we need to be far more organized as, uh, you know, a a unit, yeah, a unified front, if you will. 
That's the majority. The majority is the people that do the work. The majority is the people that create the profit, (laughs) that do the labor. Uh, There are far less, yeah, far less CEOs than there are the people that create all that money. What's uh, the current generation? Are these the Gen Zers? Yeah. Okay. So shout out to the millennials and also the Gen Zers for showing us the the way of, I don't want to do it. I'm not doing it. And, but it's not as simple as I don't want to do it, so I'm not going to do it. I think. Mm-hmm. I think at some point we're we're talking about boundaries. Oh, right? I'm sorry. You know what? I should have contextualized that properly. I was okay. talking about how our kids don't want to do the dishes. I was just where I was. Goodbye. You well, know that, what? I mean, I feel like there are for fair work conditions in our home, and that Man, there are. they are just making a choice. At, not at all exploiting labor. <laughs> Choices are being made. They are disrespectful. <laughs> and I am upset. Make sure that you play Drake. I'm upset. <laughs> when we go to the next break. I had it up to yeah. Yeah. Oh, completely. <laughs> this morning was a mess. We're not supposed to be doing this right now, yeah, but are. that's it's exactly. It's I news. woke up. I have one thing. Please, just dishes. Not in the sink when we all go to bed. Yeah. And this may be one of those things where it's like, that was my mom's rule. <laughs> Yeah. And that has how I have lived my my life. Like when I lived by myself, there were no dishes in my sink. There's nothing like waking up to a full sink. The, it, when it's full, when it's like, oh, thank you for making dinner two nights ago. How come I'm just seeing the dishes for that yeah. in the sink on today? Yeah. At six in the morning. Bruh. Not fun. Yeah. MJ brews our coffee every morning that we come in to do the news and we didn't have a, you know i didn't have the lid from my mug we had to pull it's like missing in action too yeah yeah we did have to pull an audible yeah. nobody cares about this yeah. i'm sorry all right rudolph's talking <laughs> about class 94 color me bad <laughs> oh my god color me bad with two d's you got to do it right you definitely do yeah. yeah that was a song that like uh I should obviously not have been listening to no. because at, at that time I was in like eighth grade or something. Yeah. However, it was a song that like my dad would play on our house stereo. Like I'm just doing my homework and that comes on and it's yeah. like, oh, I guess we just listened to this. To uh, hit like yeah. the whole melody. None of and... it like hit me no. as a kid it, it, that it was. It sounded like a, a, a lullaby. It sounded like. It had those elements of just, you know, very melodic song that we all can enjoy together about doing the sex. Whoa. Yeah. I'm having a lot of revelations and like <laughs> understanding. You had an escape revelation I, I had the other a day. moment the other day where I learned uh, <laughs> escape. If you are familiar, that was, uh, you know, a four lady R&B group yeah. in the 90s that. I just, it, they hit. They hit for yeah, me. Oh, yeah. Big fan favorite. Yeah. And then I listened to the lyrics as an adult the other day. And Hear my little secret. That is a whole pick me song that's like, and no solidarity between women at women all. At all. No. Like, we just don't. Yeah. Shout out to Jermaine. Wow. Jermaine. Look at the patriarchy working, yeah. through, working through R&B. Oh. I just, I want to know how many, uh, how many young Young ladies were listening to that song and was like, yep, seems legit. Yeah. 
You're my little secret. I can and imagine. And that's how we're going to keep it. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate it to my experience listening to hip hop growing up and feeling like these guys are smart because they are rapping to me. Oh. You, you extend uh-huh. that level of intelligence. You just throw it at them. And then as you get older, and we all get older, and then you see some of these hip hop icons and these greats, it's like, whoa. Oh, oh you were big dumb this whole time? Whoa. <laughs> you don't believe in dinosaurs. You <laughs> think the world is flat. Also, anti bags. I mean, also, all the phobics. Oh, no. Every phobic. Yeah. Get out my face. I have your song you memorized. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Rough stuff. Yeah, it is rough stuff. We're going to hop into this rent hike story. Uh, Man. We're going to be quite quick. Yeah. So uh, this is here on the local level. Red hikes capped at 14.6% for most Oregonians next year, the highest since limits passed. Um, Morgan actually helped me digest this information. I was a little confused as the news was just, you know, coming across about what was happening. I was like, wait, so it means what? And then what happens? <laughs> so, you know, you're going to hear some ad-libbing most likely through this because, uh, you know, it's... Wow. So starting January 1st, 2023, landlords in Oregon may legally increase rents by up to 14.6%. This year, the cap is 9.9, marking a 4.7 percentage point jump from one year to the next. In a state with one of the most challenging housing crunches in the country, Oregon renters could face the highest possible maximum increase since the legislature enacted limits on rent hikes three years ago. Following the passage of SB 608, a statewide rental control law in the 2019 legislative session, the Oregon Office of Economic Analysis must calculate the rent increase cap amount at 7% plus the consumer price index for all urban consumers, West Region, as mostly published by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. According to apartment rental company Zumper, the average rent for a one-bedroom residence in Portland is $1,500 per month. In 2023, the same unit could climb up to 1719 monthly, costing its renters 2628 more for the year. If their landlord decides to institute the 14.6 maximum increase, the state rental increase cap announced Tuesday, which Oregon is required to disclose by September 30th um, annually, comes as the nation continues to grapple with high inflation. SB 608 applies to rental residences in Oregon that are 15 years or older. It does not apply to housing that was built more recently. Mm. And that's where my confusion lied initially. If a renter faces an increase, Oregon law requires notices in writing and serve to the tenant to be legally effective. Heightened prices at historical levels for gas, groceries, and other needs have hit American wallets through the summer. Overall, the rise in housing costs was slowed slightly in the past few months after climbing during the pandemic, though affordability remains a struggle for many. Although rent increases have only been capped since 2019, the Oregon Department of Administrative Services created a table showing how much rent would have been allowed to rise each year since 2000 if the current formula had been in place earlier. The maximum increase would have been around 10% each year, the agency said. So this increase supersedes that 14 14.6% which uh if we're rounding I believe yeah. that goes to 15 it does go to 15 the 
but I so many things. Sorry, I don't have my words this morning, and maybe I don't have my words any morning. It's I feel like I'm, stum- I'm stumbling though. all the time. So apologies. Mm-hmm. However, I do want to. I want to really hammer home. Inflation is being tossed around as if it's not corporate greed, and for us, for the for the formula of rent capping is 7% plus the consumer price index for all urban consumers in the West. If if we have no choice but to pay whatever the increased things are, meaning necessities, gas, groceries, uh, you know, your certain bills, you don't have an option not to pay it. Like you have you have to figure it out, right? And for that number to be like we get penalized for for the greed that is happening that we are then paying for out of our pocket, then we get penalized for paying that because now that is what they're saying, well, the market can bear this, basically. (laughs) When in fact, we can't. No, we can't. We can't. We absolutely cannot. There is no, uh, there's no wage increase that matches these inflation or you know the corporate greed that's happening so the uh cost of living like you know every job that i have ever had that gave a cost of living increase was two percent two percent if we have jumped from you know a nine percent consumer price index to 17 you know Uh, and I'm just throwing numbers out there. That's not the actual yeah. Our wages do not reflect that. So I'm paying more money for all the things to live in order to work, in order to live. Bruh. But I don't have any more money, right? So now I have to have two jobs, three jobs, four jobs. Now I have to do something on the side. Yeah. All to afford a place to live, and then you're mad at folks that don't have a place to live, right? That can't afford to live. You just up everything. Fourteen point six percent as a rent increase can change the entire game for people. Yeah, the entire game. Yeah, you're gonna put people on the street. There are folks on fixed incomes. There are folks that cannot. I, I mean, if you are a parent of young children and this isn't like let's use an extreme example that's just like a lot of folks have young children that cannot just be at home by themselves which means when do you do the work if you can work during their school hours Mm -hmm. maybe even a few hours after but do you really get to then go to you know work nine to five five to nine (laughs) you know what i'm saying like six to ten yeah. Is that really because then I think your kids get taken away because you're neglecting them because you're not right. there. Right. You know, like the ripple effects. The ripple effects are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how is this like what compromises this? How is that a rent cap? How is this like we are not ta- we are not being serious about the things that need to happen in no. order for people to be able to have a quality of life I, that is outside of just giving labor to live. Mm just to live just to get by i was thinking about um 
like, what is the end goal here? We were talking about the right. story. Like, what is the end goal here? And then it hit me. Just, you know, my conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, this feels like a uh, uh, a class class purge. You know what I'm saying? Like, in order to afford to live in some of these places, especially with this increase, um, you have to be lower upper class. You know what I'm saying? Like, high middle class or whatever. You know, whatever that little pocket is there <laughs> to be able to afford a one-bedroom at 25K, 2,500. Like, who is that for? Right. And we're, and we're building more properties that are not um, affordable. And we're already dealing with the houses. Like, you're purging. You're purging the area. To who, mm. whoever you're trying to invite into the city. Like, you're, you're setting, a, you're setting a, a floor there. Yeah. And it's, it's a bit much, man. It's a bit much. Oh, we got Alex coming soon. Hop into a music break real quick. And we will catch you on the other side. Here to discuss how Portland Street Response is still uh, having some issues with calls and entering buildings is news editor for the Portland Mercury, Alex Zielinski. Welcome, Alex. Hey, Alex. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. Yeah. This is a Thursday Um, that's treating you, treating you right? Yeah, treating me right okay. so far today. Like, so, far. <laughs> so far, so good. TBD. But, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So what I um, have been following, I mean, I've been, I, I just decided to check in this week on Portland Street Response and kind of a issue that was raised about six months ago um, when a report came out on kind of the efficacy of Portland Street Response. I think it was like the year analysis of it. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty, you know, it was a pretty solid report. It showed that there had been progress and that it had been actively helping folks. But there was one issue that was raised across the board from uh, clinicians with Portland Street Response and also folks who wanted more, uh, you know, wanted to rely on them for more uh, 911 calls and emergencies. And, you know, a, a, a brief kind of refresher on what Portland Street Response is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been around for a little over a year. It's kind of the unarmed um, response team focused on nonviolent mental health crises and other kind of behavioral issues. A lot of times they show up when, um, you know, someone reports a quote-unquote kind of unwanted person in the neighborhood or someone like yelling in the middle of the street or, you know, causing a disturbance and it's not necessarily criminal or violent. It's just, it, it needs uh, attention to be handled by someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and so kind of looking back on this, this problem that was addressed or that was talked about about six months ago, the report kind of found that there were limitations to where Portland Street response staff were allowed to to go, allowed to respond to, you know, where whenever a 911 call comes in to the city, it's routed to, um, it can be routed now to Portland Street response teams, or it can be sent to the, the police. And certain calls that have been coming in that seem like they should, they can be addressed by, you know, a mental health kind of first responder have still been limited from getting to them um, and go to police instead. And those those calls are specifically related to suicide um, and ones that uh, involve a weapon. And then also ones, uh, calls that come 
from inside a building or where someone needs to respond and that person is, uh, the incident is someone inside a residence or another type of building. You know, maybe they're having a, um, a mental break or something kind of at their home and someone's calling. Um, and so for, uh, kind of unusual reasons that just, you know, are lost to the, um, to the details of labor negotiations, um, Portland's, uh, police have, uh, not agreed to kind of hand over those responsibilities, those specific calls and crises to Portland Street Response staff. And, um, a piece of it is, you know, for a labor union, um, and specifically the Portland Police Association, the rank and file kind of union representing Portland police, um, if there's any change in responsibilities and job responsibilities that needs to be negotiated and, and hashed out um, with management, which is, you know, kind of the case with any union. Yeah. Um, and that this kind of falls into that. It's saying if we're no longer going to be doing X, Y, Z, like we need to have a conversation to figure out um, who's allowed, like who's going to be responding to these calls and who, who's, and when are we not going to be responding to them? And so in April, um, Portland Street Response said they're going to start meeting with the PCA to um, kind of discuss discuss those details and negotiate a bit and say, uh, and, you know, pose a kind of solution to that issue to allow Portland Street Response to respond to, to calls related to suicide, mm-hmm. calls uh, where someone's inside a building um, or have a weapon. Um, and, uh, they said, okay, we're going to have these discussions. We're going to start meeting, you know, once every couple of weeks. Um, by the end of June, we'll bring a solution to city council and this will be resolved before, um, Portland Street Response becomes a 24-7 operation, which is their goal by the end of this year. Um, and so I checked in last week and it turns out that has never come to city council. That June deadline has certainly passed yeah um and uh and it sounds like there's a number of reasons as as to why um one of them being that you know portland street response is this brand new program that has ramped up to being citywide over the past year um at the same time like anywhere else it's having it's taking a while to staff it up Mm -hmm. Uh, they're kind of in the, the midst of hiring, of training, of um, kind of, you know, a lot of things that we hear from the police departments and fire departments about um, why it takes a minute for staff to join, maybe to kind of get them trained and and, and also recruit them. And, um, and right now it feels like Portland Street Response isn't, just doesn't feel capable for taking on more calls. They're already like overloaded with calls and they do not have the you know, the staff to send out to all these emergencies. I mean, people know that Portland Street Response exists now, and so a lot of times they're requesting them when they call 911. Um, and, and you know, many times Portland Street Response can't respond to a call that, that could be addressed by them um, because of, you know, not having enough teams out on the on call at the moment. And so that call goes back to the police. Um, so I think it, 
according to partnership response, this delay is really based on um, just, you know, not feeling ready to take on extra calls necessarily yet and needing more staff before they can, like, you know, kind of honestly feel comfortable um, responding to, to more calls. At the same time, you know, no one from the Portland Police Association um, kind of responded to my inquiries to figure out kind of, hey, is there a reason why why these conversations are delayed? Is there anything on your end that are uh, that that's an issue? I, and you know, I didn't hear from them. I, you know, looked back in spring and remembered that the biggest uh, concern regarding Portland Street response for the union is that. Portland street response will take away police jobs. And so I think, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, smart to say that that still might be an issue that might be the, the kind of like bargaining uh, kind of slowdown there, but mm -hmm. really, you know, not fair to, to assume um, if they, yeah, if, if they wouldn't speak for themselves. So, um, right. <laughs> so hard to say. I mean, it's just kind of interesting to think about um, the role that the community wants Portland Street Response to play and also like the um, expectations that folks have had of it from the get-go when yeah. it, like any other city program, like takes a minute to um, to staff up, yeah. to feel trained and to have the expertise. I mean, I think a lot of people have suspected like, okay, we funded Portland Street Response. It is now like, the solution to every crisis. Yes. And I've, I've spoken to a lot of staff, a lot of Portland Street Response staffers who are, you know, honestly overwhelmed by that presumption. Yes. And, <laughs> um, and, and folks just think that they will solve all of the city's, the city's issues and they show up and, and whatever they do is, is going to, you know, um, change the course of, of the city and, and solve every problem. And, um, yeah. And so, so I think they're, uh, they're just playing catch up right now and, and trying to do the best they can with the resources they have. But, you know, at the same time, they've kind of missed the deadline that they, they pledged to me, right. um, for resolving this issue, which is, yeah, <laughs> will be interesting to, to hear it maybe brought back up in, in city council in the future. It's, it's interesting. Like, you can't have it both ways, PPV. You can't be, you're taking work away from us and you have 200 vacancies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think an important part to, you know, really hammer home is that if we, it's not just city jobs, right? Any job means you have to be onboarded, you have to be trained, you, you know, before you get to do the things. And if we're not going to yeah. fund that, if we're not going to make sure that we're paying people enough so that they then hop on board, right? you know, mm -hmm. uh, voting for it and actually funding it are two very different things and i think that like you said people's expectations are very large and mm -hmm. then don't follow up and find out what it means for that program to actually happen and so then it's like oh it just didn't work some more cops or it didn't work more whatever you know um it, 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 it's it's a cycle it, yeah. it, mm -hmm. it it's mm -hmm. rough stuff man <laughs> yeah and it's, it's unfortunate that these cycles often uh, last as long as a um, a politician's time in office. Yes, that is how. <laughs> wow. Um, that is how decisions are made and how they're they're lasted. And um, 
And if you don't have a legacy that you can create within four years, then it's, you know, starting over again, Yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, which is often, you know, the pressure on a lot of these programs that are funded and there's a lot of hope put into them, but they have to really prove themselves within a matter of sh- a short am- amount of time so that they're not, they're not torn down when someone isn't reelected or when uh, someone is reelected. And, you know, it's just, it's hard to say. Yeah. yeah. So true. Alex, thank you so much for uh, mm-hmm. following up on that story and keeping an eye on it. Because, uh, again, this is the kind of thing that the citizens got to know. We got to yeah. know what it takes to do these things in order for them to actually work. And mm-hmm. so that they're not um, so scared of that progress. So thank mm-hmm. you for mm-hmm. all you do. Uh, we look yeah. forward to talking to you next mm-hmm. week. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Yeah, you too. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Tune in every Thursday at 8.45 a.m. to hear an update from the Mercury right here on X-Ray FM. Man, Alex with the goods. Alex with the goods. Yeah. And this is news of my fiance. It was us. Yes. Brought to you by Morgan Jones and DJ Ambush. Mm-hmm. Um, news writer Brian Miller, podcast editor Kyle G, and our guest Alex Zelensky. Man, great show. Great show, friend. Uh, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being a part of it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for all the text messages. Yeah, yeah. Good morning, Crystal. Uh, oh, Crystal, did you hear that? You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm Hi, not James. saying, I'm just saying. You're yeah. Not... <laughs> you know, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just, you know, firmly saying good morning. Firmly saying, hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. That's it. <laughs> Remember, uh, people over profits here. That's what we're about, huh? There it is. None of us are free to we're all free. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.